Hello, everyone. We're so glad that you're joining us today. I'm Kelly Roberts with Mission Tabernacle Outreach, and I have my friend Carmen Stamps with Let's Be Real. Yeah. Hey. (laughs) Today, we're going to have a discussion about the Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, which we have coming up on January the 21st. I wanted Carmen to touch a little bit on that and just tell us what sanctity of human life means. We'll let her tell you a little bit about herself, and then we will get started. All right. Well, yeah, Kelly and I, we work together at Pregnancy Resource Center, which is a local pro-life medical help clinic helping women and men facing unplanned crisis pregnancies. It's a life-affirming ministry. We help them through medical services and parenting classes and all of that. And so Sanctity of Human Life Sunday is for us in the development, trying to raise funds to support the work that we do at Pregnancy Resource Center. It's a huge day for us. And historically, it's been to commemorate the the passing of Roe versus Wade back in 1973. Thankfully, that legis- that law has been overturned back in 2022. Almost 50 years to the date of Roe being passed, this new law overturned it. And But it's still a matter of commemorating all of those lives that were lost between 1973 and 2022. And that didn't, the new one did not take away abortion. It's just limiting it and taking it back into the state's hands. And so you'll see throughout the country, different states making different laws and regulations. And um, you have some that are up to all the way, abortions legal all the way up to birth. And then some states like the state of Georgia, where it's a heartbeat, a heartbeat law, where if a heartbeat's detected, abortion is no longer something that, that is legal. So Sanctity of Human Life, like you said, it's January 21st and 2024, but it's celebrated every third Sunday in January. Mm -hmm. Every every third. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just, while Carmen was speaking, I was just pulling up a few statistics. And this was our statistics from last year. We were looking at Charlotte Lozier Institute, and there were more than 2,500 babies that were lost to abortion in the U.S. every day. And since Roe versus Wade, we can we don't know the exact numbers because in the United States, there's only, I believe it's 23 states that report. So we have 50 states and we only have 23 reporting. There's three that don't report anything at all, no statistics. And now we're looking at this abortion pill that the girls are able to go online. They're able just to order these pills, and it's taking the lives of babies. So we have no earthly idea how many children's lives are being lost each day. Yeah, that abortion pill is really controversial because mm-hmm. it's health care, right? right? But yet it's almost an over-the-counter drug that, yeah, you can go Google it. You can get it and purchase it, have it shipped to your house, and then have your own abortion right there in your home by yourself and nobody ever knows about it. Right. And there's a lot of medical risk to that. I mean, there's, you just don't know. It's not like swallowing Tylenol, you right. know, it's, it's dangerous to do it without 
being under the care of a medical professional. Right, and that's some of the statistics that I've been looking for, looking at for the new BBB coming up. So in the future, I will share those statistics with you when I get them, get them accurate. But one of the things is there are so many more visits to the ER for women who have taken this pill. They're bleeding, they're, it's, it's hemorrhaging, there's all kinds of things that go along with that. And this is happening in their bathrooms, in their homes. It's not under a doctor's care. And also another risk with that is, you know, a, a lady can go buy a pregnancy test from, you can even go to dollar, the dollar store and uh-huh. get a pregnancy test and it'd be relatively accurate. Mm-hmm. But you have no way of knowing from that test how far along you are. Right. You don't know if you're five weeks or if you're 12 weeks. And... I mean, expelling, birthing a child at 12 weeks, its that's pretty traumatic right. when you think about it, especially when you think that's just going to be this little thing. Um, you know, it's not going to be any discomfort other beyond what you're used to during your monthly cycle, and I don't want to get too overly into that, but right. it, it's not. There's so much deception and lies that have been used to market this product right? because it's all about money, really. It is. It's sales tactics that's mm-hmm. coming and it's it's very sad and not to mention the women we have a post-abortion class that is taught through the PRC and the women that come there 30 years after they've had an abortion and even if they've given their hearts to Christ, which God is the only one that can heal that pain, they still feel that pain. They still feel the repercussions from that mm-hmm. 30, 40 years later. So this is not something that is just an easy fix and it's over and they never think about it again. Right. It's traumatic. But to tell you a little bit about what Sanctity of Human Life looks like for us, on that third Sunday of January, we begin to hand bottles out to participating churches. We have 95 churches that participate in Baby Bottle Boomerang, and that's just surrounding three counties. That's Carroll, Harrelson, and Hurd. We, the pastors, we contact the pastors, the liaisons of the churches. They tell us how many bottles we they want. We get the bottles to them. The church has three Sundays to fill those bottles with cash, check, or change. They return them back to us, and we take the change, we bag it up, we take it to the bank, we count it. Each church gets credit. We keep a spreadsheet of the amount, and we send out a thank you letter with the totals telling what your church has done. But last year was amazing. We are hitting almost right at $135,000 for last year in Baby Bottle Boomerang. Um, That's more than any of our fundraisers bring in. So it's an amazing thing. And if your church is not part of that, it's a fun way to get to support the lives of babies. Kids love to do it. Elderly people love to do it. One of my favorite things was when the banks started getting rid of their change machines. And we had talked about not doing the change, just doing cash or giving online, you know, whatever. But we had a pastor that come to me and he said, you can't stop doing the change. 
He said, we have one man that has, I believe it was some kind of, it was a farm thing, like a cow bottle that he fills his up with. (laughs) (laughs) And they said he lives to raise money for the PRC with that cow bottle. So we've had all kind of funny stories about BBB, but it is a fun way to raise money and it definitely helps these mothers and these newborns. Well, when you put it in the the total, $135,000, that's a mm-hmm. lot of money. Yeah. I mean, it really is. But when you just look and you're at your your church, whatever church it is, and you just pick up one bottle mm-hmm. and you, you have that thought of how much is my one bottle really going to make a difference? Right. Well, when you put it together with 95 other churches or 94 mm-hmm. other churches, mm-hmm. it makes a huge difference. Exactly. That's you know, that's what, 20% of our annual budget. Oh, yeah. Our income is for baby bottles, which means 20% of the people that we serve, these women who are considering abortion, they're unborn babies who cannot speak for themselves. That 20% is going to get those services because you took a bottle and you filled it up right. um, with cash, check, change, mm-hmm. give online, whatever it looks like for you. You did it, right? And it that one little part with all the rest makes a huge difference, right? And from six years of emptying these bottles, I can tell you that if a bottle comes in and it has just change, mm-hmm. that's no green, that no checks, that's just change. Most of the time, they average between fifteen and yeah. seventeen dollars right. a bottle, and that's a that's a meal at Chick Fil A, right? You know, I mean, we mm-hmm. can easily sacrifice a meal, a lunch out at Chick-fil-A or wherever for that 15 to $17. It's not, it's not a hardship for people. And again, you see the big impact you're going to have when it's collected with everybody else's. Right. And one of the things we need to touch on is we do notice that when a church requests a speaker mm-hmm. to come out and help kick off Baby Bottle Boomerang, it's amazing the difference that that church brings in prior to a year that they did not have a speaker. It really helps to kick it off, and we are available to speak all year long. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, if you have women's groups, if you have youth groups, anybody that you want us to speak to, we're available to do that. And when we do speak to youth groups, we do kind of change around what we say a little bit, the verbiage, so we're not getting so in-depth with abortion. So, you know, we will tweak our speech to whatever age group we're speaking to. One thing I love to do when I go and speak is to take the figure of if a church has, you know, done it traditionally, they've done Mm -hmm. the baby bottle boomerang. Right. Take that amount that they raised the year before, let them know how many we were able to serve with those funds, Mm -hmm. and then give them a challenge a little bit higher than what they brought in last year. Yeah. And they seem to respond to that. Mm-hmm. And then when you say, okay, well, if you raise this much, it's going to help this many. They're really going to be excited, eager to raise those funds. And when we follow back up and say, hey, you did it, you mm-hmm. know, to the pastor, you made, you accepted the challenge, you know, right. and we're able, we're going to be able to do what we're going to do with it. Right, and that's a really good idea. I haven't done that. I'll have to try that out. Yeah, it's amazing. So if your church does not participate, please let us know. We also have tours once a month. So if you want to bring anyone from your church to tour this 
the Carrollton facility and see exactly what we do and hear from all of our directors, just let us know. We'll be glad to open that door for you, too. Um, We're going to be having on Mission Tabernacle podcast a series coming up where we have pro-life guests, and they will be sharing their stories. Normally, the people that share their stories for us always they discuss abortion. Most of them have some kind of experience with an abortion. And when you look at one out of every four women have experienced abortion, that is people in your church, in your neighborhood, in your family that you may not know about. It really hits home because that is one of the main issues. But something that we don't hardly ever discuss is miscarriage. And miscarriage is traumatic for many, many families. And I want Carmen to share a little bit of her story with you. This is something that she has experienced. So I'm going to turn it over to her and just let her talk to you about that. Um, I'm glad that you said that it's not talked about often because when my husband and I went through it, I had, I wouldn't say a ton, but I had a handful of women in my church that I went, that I worked with at the time that would come up to me and say, I've, I've experienced a miscarriage myself. And I'm like, okay, well, that's great that you're telling me that now, but it would be so helpful because for, you know, initially when I first experienced the miscarriage and took some time off from work, kind of processed everything by myself, I was sitting there thinking, am I the only one that this is happening to? You know, why is this happening? Am I the only one? That is, was there something that I could have done to prevent this? And so when I had other people coming to me and sharing my, their story, yes, it gave me some comfort, but it was also, it was almost like it was too little too late because mm-hmm. all of those thoughts had already started filtering through my mind. Um, and when you're in that place, you're not really ready to, deal with those thoughts in a healthy way right. you know you almost and for me I almost like took them on and let them set up camp in my heart mm-hmm. you know and so when those other ladies came and, and shared their story with me those thoughts were already there they were planted and it took a lot for me to go go through the process of letting go of the guilt there was no, there was nothing that I could have done differently. Going to scripture and saying, reading, you know, Psalm 139, that my my child's days were ordained before one of them mm-hmm. came to be, even if those days were just a small amount, uh-huh. right? Because I believe that my child's life started when he or she was conceived. Right. Um, and yes, I have a 15-year-old now, so her days are, have been or longer, hopefully will be a lot longer. But that child's days were just little. And finding the the value in that child's life, that child was alive. Right. It was just not outside of the womb yet. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that child, its life continues to affect me mm-hmm. and my husband. We tell our, our daughter now, you have a sibling. You know, you don't have a sibling here on earth, but you have one. In eternity is going to last a lot longer than this life now. Mm-hmm. So while no, you don't get the, um, I don't know, the joys and headaches of having a sibling here on earth, you will have a sibling 
in a perfect environment. And that's really cool to, to explain that to her. But yeah, miscarriage is something that so often it, uh, it happens, but it's very, very rarely talked about. And it should be. I mean, there's no, mm. there's no guilt. There should be no shame. But it is a death. It is a grief that comes mm-hmm. along with that, that that has to be dealt with. Just like you would grieve any other death that you that you experience. So, yeah, it took us a bit. Part of our healing, um, we had a miscarriage and it was in August. So in October, my husband and I went to Jamaica on a mission trip. And a lot of our ex- our projects there were in an orphanage. Mm-hmm. And God used that for us to express our questions to him like okay we want a child so badly but here are these children whose parents didn't want them why is that so you know just being honest with God about where Mm -hmm. our hearts were at the time and he really used that trip to heal and within two months we were pregnant with our daughter and she's been such a blessing to us so just allowing God to walk you through the steps don't because nobody's talking about it don't mean it's something you push under the rug you really have to grieve and right. process it um and share it with your family's gonna grieve too you know our parents did that was a grandchild they didn't get to hold or meet mm-hmm. you know that kind of thing so mm-hmm. yeah it, it's a journey but again it needs to be talked about because we see women coming in Pregnancy Resource Center. They come in for their pregnancy test, but mm-hmm. by the time they come in a couple weeks later for their ultrasound, there's no heartbeat. Right. We're sending them to the ER. There's a lot of, it happens more mm-hmm. often than it doesn't. Yeah. It does, and it's a subject that you just don't hear much about. Yeah, but when I think about what Carmen said about her baby had a purpose, when you think about every child has a purpose, they're all ordained by God, and if what happened had not have happened, Carmen couldn't sit here with you and share her story to help some other mother out there who's grieving. And that baby is in heaven. It is with Jesus. And she has that hope. She knows that she's going to see that baby mm-hmm. again one day. Yeah. So it's just, I love that story. And I'm so glad that she agreed to share that with, with y'all today. One of the discussions that I really want to touch on is... I want to address our legislators, and we do have good connections, good friendships with our House reps and senators in our area. We have some wonderful ones that are fighting for us at the Capitol. And let me encourage you to encourage them. They need to hear from you and know that you are backing them on the decisions they're making, but they also need to hear what they need to address, what they need to fight for. And that's one thing that we wanted to touch on this morning is letting them know what these parents, these are fighting, what they're facing. We have girls come in most of the time. The reason that they're looking at abortion as an option is because they can't afford another child. One of the things that they're looking at right now, I cannot believe how much the housing market is. Um, I have two daughters that rent right now, and it amazes me what they pay in rent. I think, how in the world do they eat? How do they survive paying these unreal prices in rent? Not to mention, housing is limited. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's nothing out there for them to get. 
When you're young and you're first getting married, you're first getting started, it's not that people have bad credit, they have no, no credit. credit. Right. So until they build that credit, they're out of being able to buy a house. Another thing that amazes me is what our law enforcement gets paid, what our firemen get paid, the salaries that for people who have such important jobs mm -hmm. amazes me. I have a son-in-law who, you know, is he's a fireman. I have several friends who are firemen, police officers, and it just amazes me at the struggle. There, I look at, you know, I look at the cost of living, but you're not seeing the income move up. And that's very, very hard for these parents that are trying to raise these children. I heard on the radio this morning, it's <laughs> funny that you bring that up, that a, the average household needs about $12,000 more per year than what they needed to live on two years ago. Right. And the cost of living increase is 3%. Well, nobody, that's not going to get you to 12000 If you need mm -hmm. 1000 more a month, you're not getting that from your employer. Right. Um, and, you know, when I, before I was 30, we were already homeowners. Mm -hmm. And that's almost unheard of these days right. that, you know, these individuals who are in that age range mm -hmm. who should already be established in a home, you know, how it was when we were younger, our parents, it's just not happening now. Right. Right. Which, when you bring a, another child into that, mm -hmm. that scenario, mm -hmm. it, to the point you're saying, it really is, what are we going to do? We can't even afford, or we don't live in a house big enough to bring another another body in. What are we going right. to do? Yeah. Right. And these women are having, they don't have a choice but to turn to the government to help them with food stamps or help them with WIC. And we see all the time that it seems like all of these women are at least shortchanged one can of formula a month. Mm -hmm. And such a formula shortage for these women trying to feed their babies, it's amazing what they're having to go through. And another one of the main things that we see is child support. They're allotted child support. They have their paperwork saying what they're supposed to get, but they're not receiving that child support. And I know for a fact, I have heard, <laughs> I have heard the lawyers say that if they want to get receive that child support, they're going to have to pay thousands of more dollars to go back to court. They don't have that mm -hmm. to go. They've already paid for one set of papers. Why are they having to pay for another? Right. And I have seen I've seen women go to child support enforcement and they can't seem to get anything done. I think this is this is um, things that our legislators can look at. They can work on. They can try to help these mothers so they don't feel like they can't raise these babies. Mm -hmm. Um. I know that one thing that another thing that they fight with with children is dental care. Even if they have government insurance, that government insurance does not cover dental care. Dental care is outrageous, and these children need to be going to the dentist. Mm -hmm. They need to be having teeth cleanings. That's another thing that they're facing. So that that's just some of the things that these parents are facing, and we're trying to 
help with everything we can, but there's some things that are out of our hands. We can't provide and we need we need our our house reps and senators to get in there and fight for these things for these families. I think somebody might hear that and say, well, why not terminate anyway? You know? Mm-hmm. Right. But I think you and I can both attest mm-hmm. to a mother that goes through and chooses an abortion, the, I don't know, the effects of mm-hmm. that post-abortion wow. effects is also a burden on society, yes. is it not? I mean, you have mental health concerns that you that now have to think about, mm-hmm. substance abuse. While that's not the norm, but, but, or that is a reality right. for some of these women. Right. Which again is another going to be another burden to somebody, right? To pay for that. So, you know, if we could get provide for them in a way that mm-hmm. affirms life, affirms what they're doing as mothers, as mm-hmm. parents, says, "Okay, let's we see you, we honor your decision. Let's walk alongside you, and let's really get you the help that you need." Right. And when you look at it, I know that. Some of the police officers I know, they have told me that the statistics for domestic violence is one out of every four women are domestically abused. Mm-hmm. Well, one out of every four women have an abortion. Mm-hmm. So when you think about that, and I don't know the statistics on this, but when you think about it, what do most couples fight over? Finance. Mm-hmm. So if we get our economy where it needs to be and get where people can provide for their families, I think we would be looking at a whole different scenario with these women. Yeah. And it's not only the women that suffer, the men do too. Mm-hmm. We've, we've talked to men who have been part of an abortion and they suffer too. You don't hear them talk about it as much, but that is, I mean, it does cause mental issues with them also. Well, in every abortion, there was a woman, there was a man. That's right. And... And a preborn child, and every life is affected mm-hmm. by that choice. Yeah, that's right. And one of the things that you can Google and see this, you can watch the videos. But at conception, when a child is formed, there is a spark of light. Mm-hmm. And what is Jesus? He's the light of the that's world. Right. So that goes to show that every human being has a purpose, and that they are alive at conception. Mm-hmm. And we want to help them see that God can bring them through through their dark hours. And I think that's evidence that every one of us is made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. You know, if Jesus is the light of the world and there's light when we are first formed, Mm -hmm. that's reflecting back on him, on his image. That's right. And another fact that amazes me is that the first organ formed is the heart. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, you know, God has a bigger heart than we could ever imagine. He forgives us. He shows us grace. He shows us mercy. He loves us all. Mm -hmm. And when we think about that, it just amazes me that the first organ that's formed in that baby is a heart. That's the first sign of life we see on an ultrasound is Mm -hmm. the beating of the heart. Yeah, that little flicker. And the word scripture talks, I mean, countless ways (laughs) of how our hearts are a reflection of his heart and how we need to be cognizant of our heart of the the whole inner person and just think that at that moment of that heart forming God has already placed within that heart a desire to know him yes 
<laughs> That's so cool. I hadn't it even is. thought about that until just now. That mm-hmm. um, it's already there right. at five weeks, six weeks, mm-hmm. twenty-one days when the heart starts beating. You know. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. I th- I think back to that one ultrasound that came in many years ago. Roxanne's really good at telling that story, but you know where the mother came in and she was crying and she she didn't know what to do and. We had all prayed because the baby was so small, we didn't think we would see any sign of life on the ultrasound. Well, when she put the baby on the ultrasound, it just lifted its little arms and waved as if to say, I'm here, Mom. Mm -hmm. And tears just streamed down that mother's face, and she knew then that she was going to keep that baby. And we see miracles like this all the time. And, you know, my daughter is prime example. God saved her when I was in an abortion clinic, not knowing which way to turn. She's 23 now, has a daughter of her own, and every time I look at that baby, I think, God, you not only gave me one, but you gave me two, and I'm so thankful for them. But, you know, that's that just goes to show that God will provide. He will give the provision that you need. So if you are in doubt, if you're pregnant and you don't know if you can handle this, we're here to encourage you today and tell you that you can and that please call us at the Pregnancy Resource Center. Come see us, and we will be there for you. If you know someone that's in those shoes, just let them know about us. And And if you're across the country, you're Mm -hmm. not in Georgia. Maybe you're Ah. in Georgia, but you're not in West Georgia. Or if you're in Idaho or California, the beauty of pregnancy centers is Mm -hmm. they're they're all over the country. And each, each center has that same mission of wanting to help you, wanting to make the best choice, seeing you and your child and what all that you can bring to this world and be a blessing to others. And so we want to be a blessing to Mm -hmm. them. So, yeah. That's right. And we want to thank you for being here with us today. And we'll close out in prayer, Carmen. Sounds good. Dear Jesus, we come to you today. And I just thank you, Lord, for being here and for your anointing being on us today. And I just pray that you reach out and if there's anyone listening, God, who is just in in between knowing what to do, they don't know which way to turn, God, I pray that you will just give them what they need from you. Speak to their heart as only you can. Give them that grace and mercy, God, that only you can give. And I pray that they'll reach out, God, and they'll ask for help. Sometimes we just need someone to walk along with us, God, and just hold our hand and Let us know, God, encourage us in you. And I pray that you will provide that connection with those people. But God, we do know that you are the ultimate connection. And I pray if they don't view, Lord, that they will just ask you to come into their heart and to cleanse them from all unrighteousness, God. And we know that you will and give them a new walk with you. We thank you for being here with us today. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. We want to ask that you just join us each week. We have Mission Tabernacle Outreach Podcast and Carmen's with Let's Be Real. Yeah, we look forward to having you. (laughs) Thank you for being here. God bless.